everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Comics Experience Make Comics Podcast, the show where we talk about the nuts and bolts of making comics. My name is Joey Grow. His name is Andy Schmidt, and today we are talking coloring. One of, I think for me, the most mysterious and yet uh, necessary aspects of comic books when I, I was first looking at how comics go. And what uh, kind of sprung us uh, into this is, number one, it's a great topic that I think you know a lot of folks interested in making comics could always learn more about. Uh, number two, there's a great introductory introduction to color, comic book coloring class coming with Chris Sotomayor. Uh, early next year with Comics Experience, which is always a great class. And I know folks from writers to artists to letterers to editors and also colorists uh, have taken it and, and folks that want to get into all those. And I, it's one of those where, you know, anytime I hear Soto talk about colors, I just learn and just, just the basic approach to things. But Andy, as far as kicking us off, was there a direction that you had in mind that you wanted to get into? I know we've talked coloring before with Soto, um, you know, in different aspects yeah. of preparation and, and getting going. Yeah, I just figured we it, it'd be worth kind of hitting on some of the some of the basics. So, and and this kind of came up because recently I've been working with some uh, emerging talent and um, really really talented artists and and. Um, and, you know, the artists, as they're learning, they tend to focus, you know, especially if they're learning about comics, they tend to focus on, you know, the penciling and the inking and then the coloring is not that it's an afterthought, but it's, it's the one that they tend to master last, Sure. Um, you know, sort of, sort of just from a hierarchy standpoint. So I figured, Hey, let's talk about the hierarchy of coloring. So if, you know, if you're coloring your own work or if you're just jumping in to coloring and you want to get started, um, you know, Soto's introduction to comic book coloring class starts January 31st. And I think, you know, people just like listening to this and getting an idea of like the right mindset to go into that class with will kind of hit the ground, you know, a little bit more running, you know? Um, So, you know, I kind of broke it down to, to a couple of things that are, that are the focus of coloring and comics. And in some ways this is, these are different from the focus of, of, coloring and other aspects of illustration. I mean, they're, they're obviously not entirely separate. Um, they are related, but sort of the number one, the number one difference, um, between sort of illustration coloring, not that illustration can't tell a story, but, um, but comic art is the storytelling that everything is in service of the, the story. And that includes the coloring, it includes the lettering, it includes inking and penciling and of course writing. Um, but it somehow it gets less intuitive, um, or there's, there's often more of a disconnect between the inks and the color mm-hmm. that, that, that sometimes they're working at opposing forces. So, you know, what I come across is where I'll look at line art and it doesn't matter by line art. I mean, penciled and inked pages, um, where I'll look at that and it's very clear to me, you know, my eye is drawn to the right places, to the right figures in each of the panels and all that kind of stuff. And then I'll get a colored page and I'll get that same page back colored and I'll put them up next to each other. And I'll be like, what happened? I can follow this black and white art, no problem. But when I look at the colored art, it's, you know, murky or it's, or I, I'm feeling like I have to find, you know, I'm doing more work. I'm like having to dig out what's, What's the focus of this panel? So, right. and that's really sort of the, the, the two main things is storytelling and focus. So if you are the penciler, anchor, and colorist, and you've done the work of thinking out 
what's the focus of this panel? What's the primary action of this panel? And you illustrated it in black and white to that effect to where it is working. Then when you hold up your colored page, a simple sort of litmus test sort of thing is hold up your color page and compare them, which one is easier to follow, right? Or give them to somebody else if you need a fresh pair of eyes, mm -hmm. which one is easier to follow. And if the answer is the black and white art, then you probably need to go back into that coloring and figure it out. And usually what that means is you need to up your contrast between typically the focus of the panel is a foreground element. So it doesn't always have to be right. But like, you know, up the contrast between your background and your foreground. You know, sometimes I see a lot of, a lot of people get stuck on like the real world colors of things, which is great and fine. But you know, if you've got somebody running in a beige tracksuit in front of the desert with, you know, while a tan truck is headed towards them. So it's just going to be a lot of beige and tan, right? It's going to be hard to separate those things out. So you got to figure out, oh, do I wash out the background because it's washed out with the sun so it's more of a white so that figure pops or, you know, you can do things where you're taking what's there, the real element, the true color, and then, and then pushing, expanding. You can do that. Or you can go, why don't we make this a red tracksuit that this guy is running in? <laughs> you know, sure. Or a blue one, you know? Right. Um, so a lot of it is just maintaining focus, but you know, I'll often see people go, Oh, okay. You know, it's that same desert scene. There's a truck and there's a jogger. It's not about the jogger, but then the jogger will be the one in the, in the element that stands out, but it's really about the truck. Right. So the truck and the desert are all colored the same. And then the jogger pops because he's in a red tracksuit. Now, in that case, if it's about the truck, it's a red truck, not a red jogging suit. I don't right. know why I came up with this silly yeah. image, but, <laughs> but there it is, you know, and so you want to make sure that, that, you know, that the, that the colors lead your eye just as much and sometimes more than the line art and the vectors that you put in that. Um, so that's really the key is, is making sure. And so one of the things I recommend if you're working in Photoshop or you're whatever is to circle the focus elements on a, you know, on a separate layer, right? Circle the focus elements. So there's never any question, right? You know, and if you're a colorist and you're not reading the script, you need to read the script. Colorists absolutely need to read the script. Um, you know, circle those those elements that need to be thing. And then when you're and then when you're flatting it or when you're doing whatever and you're picking your color choices, you can do it accordingly to make sure from the get-go that you're building that you're building your color choices in such a way. Now, obviously there are things like, you know, if you once you decide this person's in a beige tracksuit or a red tracksuit or whatever, they shouldn't that shouldn't change panel to panel. But you can still do things to, you know, pop them or make them proceed, depending. Um, so it's really about focus and then the contrast. And contrast really has a lot to do with, like, separating planes. You know, if you've got something bright in the foreground, then you have something a little darker or cooler in the background. It just makes – it just pops those things. It gives you some three-dimensionality. Mm -hmm. um, again, leading the eye. Um, and then the last sort of thing, you know, as you get more advanced with your coloring is – getting into those dynamics, getting into those offbeat choices. One of my favorite artists is uh, Louis Joyce. He's an artist down in, um, down in Australia. And um, I've seen him do, it, he pencils inks and colors his own work, but he also will occasionally color other people. And his coloring choices are like confounding to me. And that like, it never would occur to me to wash out that background in bright pink 
but it absolutely works <laughs> and it doesn't even but it doesn't even like work in a way that like like it's not jarring the way that he does it um his, his you know so a lot of it is just his color palette choices he's very very good at choosing colors that will work together so the whole piece hangs together but he will have these panels where i'm like you know if i stop and think about it i'm like how did you choose you know why is the desert sand blue here but Mm -hmm. more importantly why does it work you know and he's just really amazing at knowing when uh to make choices like that that just that aren't about the you know true color and by true color i mean the color you know that the the thing actually like is um you know or at least that we think that they are but um but yeah, he's really amazing at that at that sort of thing. He's he's one of my favorite examples of just like, you know, like if I see that he's coloring a book, I mean, obviously that if he's illustrating the book entirely, like I'm interested, um, I want to check it out. Um, but even if he's he's coloring a book, I want to see that um, because he makes these bold choices that work great. That just are like, how, how did your brain even come to that? But that I think comes with a lot of experience, a lot of time. And he's not, he's by no means the only artist that, that does that, but uh, he certainly comes to mind uh, when I think of that kind of thing. And that's really getting into the dynamics. Like how can you push, you know, like the, the art is all about contrast, you know, big things next to small things, skinny things next to badder things, bright things next to dark things, mm-hmm. right? Colorful things next to monotones. You know, it's, it's those contrasts that give the art, you know, life and energy, you know, otherwise it's just a big old bland thing. Right. And so that's, you know, if you go into my dog's coat, he gets really worked up about color. That's exciting. Um, yeah, it's exciting stuff. Nicely done. Wyatt. Thanks for barking at nothing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's sort of the basics of the approach to coloring. So if you are somebody that's interested in learning more about coloring, hopefully that gives you an idea of the mindset to kind of go into it. And, or, or even if you're just looking at your own comics to sort of deconstruct it, those are the things to, to look for, right? So if you're looking to, you know, deconstruct coloring or, or learn it on your own, you know, approaching books that you have already, graphic novels you've got already, or you know, approaching your work, if you're opening up a Photoshop file and going into it with a mindset of storytelling and a focus of contrast, that's going to gonna put you in the right mindset before you start getting into how to do it, the nitty gritty, the complementary colors, like how do you make it lifelike? How does it feel three-dimensional? Like all of that, like all of that stuff comes once you're in the right mindset. Um, and that's, that is what, what Soto's introduction to coloring the course is about it's getting you in that mindset and then teaching you you know not just the process you know the, it's coloring on photoshop but it's it's the process it's how to use photoshop for coloring it's all those things but it's the art behind it it's how do you render it this way how do you do it this way how do you make color choices that are going to work panel to panel to panel and how do you get a whole page to work together you know a lot of times we focus on does this panel work does this image work and then does panel two work on its own and then just panel three work on its own and then when you take a step back the whole page doesn't work together right that they're competing for your attention um and that can be you know so all all of those things wind up being taught in the class there's a ton more to drill down but the mindset of storytelling focus of, of knowing how to use contrast that's 
kind of where the, re the rest of it flows from there. And typically when I'm giving coloring notes, often what I'll do is I'll say, hey, you know, I'm going to give you notes on, you know, whatever, 10 pages worth of stuff here that you turned in. But just so you know, these are really the, 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 the two or three notes, like one, two, and three. Everything below this, as I get into specifics, panel by panel, you know, and I, I don't give notes on every panel because that's just obnoxious. But like, as I get, if I'm going to go through this, I want you to realize that all of these notes where I'm going to give you specifics, it's really about these two or three things, like almost always. Mm -hmm. You know, every once in a while, something like uh, that hammer was black and two pages ago and now you've colored in brown like it's wood right like every once in a while stuff like that but but for the most part it tends to do with contrast and focus and that sort of stuff and then so i'll just sort of put that at the top of like an email full, you know the color notes and then go through and be like you know here's an example of where the contrast needs to be adjusted here's for this so you know i never i don't if you don't explain your you know, now we're getting into notes but if you don't explain your notes and you just give somebody a laundry list that can be overwhelming and it can make people think that you don't like their work when really it's just like one or two things just need a little, a little rethink right. and that may permeate through multiple pages, but yeah. Right, right, right. Well, keeping, you know, in mind, it's, it's one of those relationships, the, the colorist and work for hire comics, create our own comics, uh, have different schedules and, and different needs and, you know, different amounts of people involved. Is there an ideal conversation to have with a colorist at, I don't know, not necessarily each step, but in terms of the creative team being able to communicate with the colorist ahead of time and, and talk through and, you know, obviously work for higher comics like a Marvel or DC might be different or an IDW or a boom or somebody that's working with licensing stuff where, Hey, we've got to ship this by this date, go, you know, there might not be room for a conversation that you could have if you're planning and uh, create your own book and you got some time because your schedule's a little loose or it wasn't greenlit for the next year and you want to line up a colorist. Is there a way that conversations could go down between different uh, parts of the creative team in regards to coloring? Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I would like to bring the colorist on board as early as possible. You know, so usually I try to bring a colorist on board, you know, really before pages are being drawn or, you know, just the pages are just starting being drawn. Um, because you kind of want them to do to, you know, you want the color artist and the penciler and inker, you know, you want them all to, to know what each other's doing. You want to get them all on the same page. Um with what the visuals are supposed to look like and what they're supposed to evoke, you know, and, and, you know, I would put a writer would, should be in that conversation too. Sure. Right. So, uh, like I'm working on a project that's set in then like the 1920s right now, well, that's going to have a different look to it than, you know, those same characters set in modern day or set in the distant future or whatever, you know, we're going to have, you know, so we're having those types of conversations. In this case, it's me writing it, and there's one artist who's doing the pencil things and the colors, but she and I are talking about, you know, what's, what is this going to look like? You know, one of the reasons I went to her is because her style is generally, I think, fits that, that sort of, um, you know, that sort of time period and these sorts of characters. And I, kind of, I think she'll do a great job, even if I didn't have a conversation. Mm -hmm. But, in this case, it's you know. In this case, with her, it's more about kind of like here's the nuance of it, and here's sort of a style that we want to we want to evoke or whatever. And and it's not me telling her this is what I want. Now go do it. It's us having a conversation. You know, what do you think? What do you want to bring to it? And then 
you know, she'll, she'll say, well, I kind of have these ideas. That sounds great. And then I'll, you know, as I've started to put the finishing touches on the script, you know, if she said like, I think it'd be great if we opened up things to more like larger visuals on a double page spread with panels like underneath them or something like that to give us more of a, you know, more of a cinema, cinema scope sort of feel, you know, she said something like that. And I'll be like, okay, let me just rework the script. I'll rework the structure. I'll build around some of these like maybe larger key, key images. You know, I mean, there's always stuff like that, um, you know, that we can do, uh, but we definitely are talking about color because you know there's there tends to be uh you know there tends to be a um i guess i guess it's a cliche i mean i don't mean that in sort of the bad sense of that term but like of you know a color palette of that time and of these types of characters that might be right for this but it might not be or that might be right but with points of differentiation that's the thing so i do think that you know the more conversations that any creative team can have to make sure they're on the same page and they are setting expectations because the last thing you want to do is like have a conversation with the person giving you the pencils and inks and then hand it off to a color artist. And then the color comes in and then the artist is like, you, this is not what I intended at all. Like I didn't draw it to look like this. You know, you really want to avoid that <laughs> situation yeah, yeah. if at all possible, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, my, my thinking is the earlier that the creative team can have these conversations, the better, because you want to set everybody up for success. So if the color artist is talking about palette with the artist and the editor and the writer or any combination thereof, then they got a better chance of not getting a bunch of, of color notes, right? Because yeah, sure. We already, we, we, we preemptively did them and it saves them extra work. It saves the, the book, you know, maybe you know, some time in the end, you know, so because it was done right the first time, you know, it was done well, I shouldn't say right, because it's not always right and wrong, right? Well, right, right. Know, it's art, so it's all perspective and opinion and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I always, I always try to have those conversations as early as possible. But sometimes, you know, sometimes you're in a rush on a book and the person you thought was going to color it, when the pages are ready for them, they've taken some other gig. And so you're scrambling to find something new. And then that conversation just happens really fast. Right. And then they start, you know, they start moving. And that's, that's not ideal, but that's not, uh, it's not necessarily, a, you know, like, a, you know, I don't think you're headed for disaster, you know, unless you just flat out hire the wrong person. <laughs> flat out. And, and by that, I don't, and by that, I don't mean like, like the wrong person in terms of like, they don't know what they're doing. I mean, you know, a, a lot of colorists have all have, you know, certain styles that they do. So if you hire somebody who does a certain thing or maybe a certain two or three styles, and then you're asking them to do something out of their comfort zone, then, you know, that was, you know, the, or you're expecting them to do something not that way. Then that was, you know, that could be tough. I remember like very clearly having a conversation with uh, Justin Ponzer, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago from cancer, but he was one of my favorite colors to work with. And he was known for all these bright superhero stuff. And he was coloring Young Avengers, the, the, the original Young Avengers series, which I was working on. I was one of the assistants or associates on that. And, and uh, he found out I was going to do this film noir version of, uh, of the Marvel comic X Factor. And he like, called me up and was like, I love film noir. <laughs> like, I, I want to color this book. And I'd already, already hired somebody else, um, unfortunately. But, 
not that I was unhappy with that hire, but I loved working with Justin. But and like judging from his work, I would have had no idea. Never sure. like never crossed my mind to hire him for film noir because he was known for all this like bright superhero like you know bold color choices were wonderful. Um, you know, but then he's like, but my real passion is you know this other thing. So like if I get another project like that, you know, then I'll definitely call you. Um, it's interesting, you know, it's it's worth having those conversations with the colors. If you really respond to their work, but you're interested in doing something different, that might pique their interest because a lot of people don't really like being pigeonholed. Um, yeah. But but have the conversation. Don't just hire them and expect them to do something different. Um, yeah, good point. Yeah. Well, I think that uh, is a nice... You know, that's the, the point of the show is to not do deep dives. Uh, it's to do a, a look at a granular topic, and it would be nice to have five to seven to ten hours uh, per episode just to talk about coloring, <laughs> just to talk about specific topics at hand. The deep dives you can do uh, include, you know, going uh, out and getting information about coloring. Uh, you do a class like Soto's. Uh, follow Soto on Twitter uh, if you uh, are at all curious and I know that the part of the fun with the comics experience class is you get to have access to, you know, the closed forums that not only deal with anything related to comics that might be a topic of discussion, but it's a place to go and get feedback and ask questions and do uh, a number of different things. So go check out comicsexperience.com and you can uh, see what's going on there. And, and Chris Sotomayor on Twitter is at Soto Color. Uh, if you are looking to follow follow Chris. Is there anything else uh, coming up, Andy, we should talk about, let folks know about now? Uh, well, along with the introduction to comic book coloring class that starts January 31st, um, that same week, which means uh, February 1st and February 2nd, um, introduction to visual storytelling, our course on that, and introduction to writing comics uh, starts. Those three courses launch off our launch our 2022 you know, season so to speak. And um, any one of those, if you're interested in writing, doing the visual storytelling of coloring, any one of those is going to be a great way to get hit the ground running in the new year. Um, so that's it. There's tons of other stuff I can talk about, promote. We got a bunch of CEX publishing books, uh, but I won't plug all of that because this is really more of a craft-based uh, show. But uh, if you're interested in supporting creator-owned books, please check out cexpublishing.com. Make sure that your local store is ordering our books. Make sure that you're ordering our books and uh, and reading them because they're they're really really good books done by super cool creators. That's it. That's all I got. That's it. And go over to comicsexperience.com if you want to look up any of that information uh, that we have talked about directly related to comics experience. And uh, I'm just going to point out that I've been informed by the calendar and our conversation that is indeed November. And I think a lot of times folks think about New Year's resolutions and who knows if that's a thing anymore in uh, COVID times. But that's that's something that I've been thinking about is what do I want, want my 2022 to look like related to comics and, and otherwise. So that that's something that uh, I just wanted to put out as a, hey, it's later than you think, me, who uh, is still, you know, maybe not slept since Sunday when uh, the daylight was a different uh, a different time. But seriously, though, looking at the your end of the year, um, you know, taxes, if you are doing your own, create your own thing and getting all your accounting in a row, as well as figuring out what you want to do next year, or keeping that, 
keeping those balls in the air if you're juggling uh, different creative projects. So it's been on my mind. I just wanted to mention it before we wrap up the show. If you have a question that you'd like to hear discussed on the show, you can email info at comicsexperience.com. You can tweet at Comic Experience. And CEX Publishing is on Twitter, at CEX Publishing, as well as cxpublishing.com. And uh, there's a number of number of books coming out. All right, until next time, keep making comics.